Welcome to Overtime, Dribble's official podcast. I'm Dan Cederholm, your host, and this is episode 26 with Koi Vin. And Koi is currently a principal designer at Adobe. He's also design chair at Wildcard, co-founder of KidPost and Mixel, and also former design director for the New York Times. Uh, today we sit down with Koi and talk about design tools, uh, specifically Adobe XD, their new XD product. We also talk about blogs and Helvetica and um, all sorts of fun stuff. Hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by Wix.com. With Wix, the web is your playground. Start with a blank slate and design your website in any layout you want. Work with advanced features like retina-ready image galleries, custom font sets, and sophisticated design effects. Each feature is intuitive to use, so you're in control from design to live. With Wix, you'll have real creative freedom to tell your story online exactly the way you've envisioned it. Push the limits of design and start creating beautiful, impactful websites that are uniquely yours. Go to wix.com dribble to get started today. That's wix.com dribble. Wix, what will you create? So very uh, special thanks to Wix for sponsoring this episode. And now, without further ado, let's get on to our chat with Koi Vin. Welcome to Overtime, Koi Vin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here, Koi. Definitely. Um, I feel like we go we go way back, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> From prior in, in the web, in prior the web world. ages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, prior ages exactly. Um, so it's 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 awesome to have you on here, and uh, thanks so much. There's so much there's so much to talk about too. I feel like, but you know, like right now you're you're. You're at Adobe. Um, That's right. and, and Actually, tell us what you're up to right now, and then we'll go back, get your origin story as well. Yeah, my title at Adobe is Principal Designer, which is not very descriptive at all. <laughs> I sometimes joke that I'm just a designer who's your pal. <laughs> hey, I like that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, that's a dad in me. <laughs> yeah. I've got a kind of an unusual charter there where I spend roughly half my time working on product stuff, working on roadmap stuff. I'm focused on the design segment, so on the tools that we're building for designers like you and me, UX, UI designers, app and website designers. You know, We've recently launched Adobe XD. That debuted just a few weeks ago at 1.0. Um, yeah. That's our brand new all-in-one UX, UI design tool and I've been, yeah, that was a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. We're really proud of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's been in the works for a long time. Um, it's been a really, really fascinating, fun journey to try to build this whole new take on tackling the things that designers like us have been doing for a long, long time. And um, we're really, really proud of it. Yeah. We have a lot of work ahead of us, but I feel really great about our our start. So I, I done various things on XD. I've been like a hands-on designer, design director. I've worked on strategy. I've gone out into the field, so to speak, sitting down with customers, talking about how they're designing, trying to close the loop between what I hear out there and what the product designers and the engineers and the product managers all are putting onto the roadmap. And that's the other side of my job is I, I spent a lot of time in the community. I spent a lot of time with press. I spent a lot of time with customers 
trying to raise the profile of Adobe amongst the you know the people who are actively you know using our tools or using our competitors' tools, you know, really trying to to get Adobe closer mm. to the community and vice versa. Right, right. Wow, that's great. They're lucky to have you there for sure. Yeah, thank you. And I, I definitely want to get back to XD because I think that's there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about there. But I'm curious, like, so you, you're at Adobe now, and, and before that, I know you were at the New York Times, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Which is uh, the design director at the New York Times, which was which is another huge, huge position, right? I mean, how how what's it like going from New York Times to to Adobe? I mean, that's a big that's a big shift, right? Yeah. Well, there was actually a few years in there where I also did a startup that. You know, we had a, a decent run of it for about two years, and then we sold it, and then I bounced around and did a bunch of individual or um, independent projects, and then also worked at another startup. So it's it's I've gone back and forth between large companies and small companies over and over again. That sort of seems to be yeah. my yeah. my modus operandi. <laughs> but um, you like both equally, or or um, yeah, I do. I think there are things yeah. that you can do yeah. at a small company that you just can't do at a big company. You can determine your own fate on a day-by-day or even hourly basis. And that's really, really mm. invigorating, really thrilling. Um, and then there, there are things that you can do at a big company that you just can't do at a small company, you know, an early-stage company. Like some of the things that I'm working on at Adobe, not just the product stuff, but some of the stuff that we're doing to try to you know, participate in the design community, that's stuff that nobody else can do, not even the, you know, the competitors in the design space. Like nobody has a scale to do that, the stuff that we have to do. And that's yeah. really interesting on, on a completely different level. Yeah, no, I bet. Oh, totally. I mean, there's, yeah, you're poised to, to do all sorts of cool stuff. Um, and, the, and then the history there is, is immense, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> been using Adobe stuff forever. Um, yeah. So yeah, you had some startups. Wild Card is one, right? Yep. And Kid Post. Yeah, I started out uh, doing a company called Mixel, and I raised money for that. And yes. you know, my co-founder and I, Scott Oster, we, we took a big crack at combining art making and creativity with social. And that's actually where I really learned that what I was interested in was creative tooling, like building building things to help creative people be more creative. But after that, we sold that company to Etsy, and I worked at Etsy for a brief amount of time, and then I went off and did some right. solo projects, and then I spent some time at a startup called Wildcard, and then in the fall of 2015, or late summer of 2015, I joined Adobe. Yeah. Wow, so it's, so it's been a, few, a couple of years then. That's it's great. Been, yeah, it's been two years. It went really fast, yeah. Yeah. Now, I know you... I mean, initially from from way back through your blog, subtraction dot com. That's right. Yeah. And you're still writing a lot. Like you're 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 still writing, which is awesome because I was just checking it out and I was reading. I found like a couple great things. Uh, one was like about how not to use Futura, which is a book. Um, yeah. <laughs> that I have to get. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a great it's a great title actually because it's yeah. it's very uh, clickbaity. Never use Futura. Good way, yeah. You know? Yeah, never use Futura. Yeah, so it's like, uh, which which is which is really cool. Yeah. And uh, and then you know your story about presenting at um, Adobe Max right. recently, and yeah. uh, you know what that was like in, in terms of comparing it to presenting like a talk or doing a demo, and there's like sort of the the differences there. Yeah, that so was just a few that weeks was ago. Fascinating too. Yeah. That was nerve-wracking. Yeah. It was like in front of 12,000 people, just <laughs> just the people who were in the room with me. There were actually, I think, a, 
probably 11,000 seats is what they told me, plus standing room only. And, <laughs> um, and I had it's to prepare. Like arena. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it was really nerve-wracking. <laughs> I mean, I, I, to do a presentation like that or to, to do a demo, a live demo like that, we rehearse endlessly. Like I was flying out to San Francisco every Monday for about two months and just flying back at the end of the week and wow. spending all my time out there in rehearsals and figuring out what this demo was going to be and working with the product team and working with designers to create like a sample project and then, you know, doing a, the yeah. demo for, to get feedback, um, all this preparation. And then I got on stage in Las Vegas in front of all these people. And within the first minute, my trackpad died. <laughs> <laughs> and it just wouldn't yeah. work, and oh, and they had to. I've never even heard of that happening to anybody. Really. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, you expect all kinds. Of, you expect the internet to go out, or you expect, yeah, you know, you expect like a, a, a super edge case bug to rear its head, and then you know, like be yeah. really embarrassing. But you don't expect like the mouse or the trackpad track to stop working. Right. Yeah. So they had to run, oh, rush another one insane. out to me on stage and plug it in really quick, and I was sweating bullets. Oh, I bet. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I, I bet you know it's it's probably obviously it's worse when when you're when you're up there waiting. But I'm sure the audience didn't mind. And, <laughs> yeah, thanks. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then they're you know uh, I can remember when I first started speaking and and uh, you know you think a pause just stopping is is a really bad thing. Yeah. And, and that that someone in the audience would would hate that, and then you realize, wait a minute, when I when I see someone speak, it doesn't matter if they stop for no, no. ten seconds, even you know, it's not it's yeah. not a big deal. Yeah, it gives, that must be nerve wracking though. Yeah, it was. It was somehow I survived, but it was nerve wracking. I guess it had to happen to somebody. So, <laughs> well, the article is really interesting because you 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 uh, you kind of go in depth about you know uh, what the process was like, and and that's really helpful. Um, you know, sort of sharing your knowledge about it now. It was a really yeah. unique experience. I, I didn't expect to learn nearly as much as I did. I mean, not that I thought it was easy, but it was like a crash course in this whole other level of being in front of an audience. And and that's yeah. ultimately why I have the blog is they have a place to write about this and share about it. And actually when I was writing it, I was like, I'm mostly just writing this for myself because I don't know if anybody else is going to be interested in this. So <laughs> it was fun. Oh no, that's that's not true though. Uh, I was, I was, I was loving it. Um, and I, and I, and I have, I mean, I've been a big fan of, of yours for a long time, particularly your like subtraction has a very distinct style and it's sort of evolved over the years, you know, but at the same time it's remained true to its, its ethos, I think, you know, uh, which is really impressive because it's been a long, it's been a long run. Yeah, sometimes I wonder why I'm still doing it, just because the whole rest of the world has moved on to Medium or writing, you know, directly on Facebook or something, and it's right, sort of right. out of habit. Like I don't know, how, like how else to do this. I don't know how to write this stuff on Medium or, or Facebook. I kind of just have a specific way that I want to present what I write and and have a specific way of writing, and it seems like. You know, only the blog sort of meets all those requirements, and you know, I think that's you know, somebody else might just say, "Well, that's just getting old because you know you can't adapt to new ways of doing things." But I know. <laughs> no, no, I I think well, what's what's interesting is that you know, will will Medium and and Facebook be forever the place that people write? Uh, you know, well, maybe, but maybe not. You know, and I think you're having that control on your own blog. There's there's definitely something to be said 
said about that. Yeah. I still like the idea that you have this place where you present the stuff that you make the way you want to make it or the way you want to present it. I think that's really still really powerful way of really powerful signal that you send to other people. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of great things about medium, but it, it doesn't let me do that. I don't think so. Right. No, it's more personal. Yeah. I, I agree totally completely. Yeah. So, so, Let's actually let's go back to uh, let's go back to Adobe XD because this is something that you know just a few weeks ago you were on stage demoing it's it's a big deal uh, it's a big deal for Adobe obviously too it, it's an interesting time now right for 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 design tools yes right and I think that particularly uh, for for screen design for web design and you know tell us about the path of XD and I'm curious actually too if you guys were still uh, developing it while you're coming up with the demo right because you, you said you're going back and forth a couple months like was it was it was it kind of wrapped up at that point or you there's still like product uh yeah well what i presented on stage at max was 1.0 and that had been locked down in golden master so to speak for you know like a right. month and a half at least um, but oh, good okay yeah but we're not standing still actually we're going to be moving to a a pace of like a, a major new release um, roughly once a month now and really stepping wow. up the introduction of features. Yeah, we spent most of 2017 continuing to build the foundation of XD. In some ways, 2016 was about sort of putting the roadmap forward, like saying this is the territory we're going to cover. And then in 2017, we built a lot of the foundation that's going to allow us to do that over the next few years. So maybe the most major piece of work that we did in 2017 was to build the Windows side. Yeah, okay, right. Um, and so now we have basically a feature parity on both platforms, which is huge for a lot of teams out there yeah. that, that are you know mixed environments. Um, you know, We sometimes forget that not everybody is on a Mac um, as much as I, <laughs> as much as right. I love that platform. And I think that's, that's the best platform for yeah. doing design. You know, there's lots of folks out there who, who are using both, lots of teams. Um, so, that was a big part of 2017, and now we're getting back into a pace of creating new features and rolling them out on a regular basis. And I think it's going to—you're going to see that start to really pick up steam um, early next year. I mean, it's going to—you're going to see it this year, but um, early next year, it's going to—you're going to see it's going to keep coming, and um, we're really yeah. going to ramp it up. Oh, that's awesome! Um, that's huge. And I mean, actually, getting it both on windows and mac that's that's a gigantic <laughs> task i would think it uh, is it's it is it's a gigantic not, task not yeah. easy oh. yeah not easy now so i'm looking at xd which looks really great i i mean it's prototyping designing uh, sharing it and the one one thing i wasn't sure and and i'm so i'm coming at it like as a as a kind of a a newbie right but in terms of code like is it's just for for prototyping and and not necessarily for WYSIWYG creating web pages. That's right. Yeah, this is about uh, XD is a tool that lets a designer get what's in his or her head out onto the page or the screen as quickly as possible to express a solution for a particular problem, whether it's an app or a website or you know another kind of screen experience and. And we're building tools to help designers work more closely with developers. In fact, after my demo at Max, we announced that we're going to be debuting a um, 
developer handoffs piece, um, meaning specs. You'll be able to take your work and publish it to a private URL where a developer can come in and pick up the all the specifications and, and oh, the red wow. lines, um, and it'll be automated. So, um, oh wow! Yes. Oh, that's super. Yeah, it's intended to be really an all-in-one solution, like a complete system that lets a design team work together seamlessly. Right, right. I mean, I'm looking at so there's like I'm on the features tab of the XD site, and I'm I'm looking at like creating a thumbnail grid of products with avatars and stuff, and it's literally like you know it takes like literally five seconds to create a page of thumbnails and then dragging all the images on it automatically updates. This stuff is magical. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, was it fun creating it or, you know, like, cause it looks fun to use. I mean, obviously yeah, I'm sure a lot of work went into it too, but like, was it uh fun as a designer, as a screen designer to be like, all right, how, how, how would I want this to work? A hundred percent. It's actually one of the, yeah. the funnest experiences that I've had in my career because it's uh-huh. really rare. Well, first one of the, great things about working at Adobe is you get the luxury of designing products for people who by and large are like you. And in my mm-hmm. career, that hasn't really been the case before. I mean, at the, when I was at the New York times, I was designing for people like me who read the times, but at Adobe, I'm really specifically designing for people who do what I do on a day-to-day basis. And that's really different yeah. and really fun because you have this built in empathy with, the this kind of user um, because they are you and it's actually actually it's one of the best things about my job right now that i i really wake up every day and i can't believe how lucky i am to do it um but beyond that the whole xd project has been so fun because it's about like looking at the things that designers do every day and thinking about ways to make them simpler to reduce friction basically to tackle all these problems that as designers we've had to figure out on our own when we've been employed by people who or by companies whose business is not expressly designed. Like now, like I can think about those problems as the main part of my job every single day. And that's, that's really special. It's really, um, a, like I said, a, a luxury to be able to spend your time doing that. Yeah, it just looks fun, you know. And also because maybe it's because I, uh, like you too, been building sites for a long time, and and probably still do it the wrong way, old way. But <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like looking, seeing how much easier it is to to get something creative on screen now as opposed to ten years ago. Yeah, that's it's pretty amazing um, the, the speed at which you know things are going. Back to the the code angle, I'm I'm always. I'm always curious how if is the next evolution of a prototyping tool sort of a a, a one stop shop for actually creating the the finished product, or do you you feel like that's a different tool entirely? And and I don't know if you can share secrets, probably not secrets with us, but um, <laughs> yeah, is uh, is the code aspect of things like in on the roadmap as well, or or maybe it's already there in another tool that I haven't I haven't discovered yet, but well. I can say that you know our ambition is to shorten the distance between a designer's inspiration and a shipping product as much as possible. Now, yeah. whether that means that we build a 
a tool that lets you design in code or let you code and design whatever the, the right way of looking at it is. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to commit or promise anything. I do feel though that philosophically there's there's a real advantage to both. There's a real advantage to having a tool that you know will generate the code for you because that lets you that lets you think about your project as something real and it makes it very very concrete. That's good. On the other hand, historically WYSIWYG tools that produce code regardless of who's produced them or who's created these tools They've never been satisfactory. They've always produced right. end results that are not as performant as things that are coded from scratch, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yep, I think yep. that's that's a truism. That's it's it's not to say that there's no place for that kind of tool, but I think it's something that you really have to think hard about when you're building that kind of tool. Yeah. Also. When you have a tool that doesn't produce the code, it allows you to focus on what your vision is for the user experience and and not have to think about implementation. Because any time you have a WYSIWYG interface that ha- that might be backed by a code editor, you're going to be not just tempted, but almost obligated to drop into the code editor and and start tinkering with the lines directly. So that what you're handing over at the end is as optimized as possible, right? Right, right. Um, even if you're a designer. And I think that becomes a burden for lots of user experience designers whose strength lies in imagining the vision first and then you know, pushing the, the implementation to match the vision rather than vice versa. Yeah. No, and I, I, yeah, totally. And I think I'm guilty of, of doing what you're saying, <laughs> like where I'm jumping into code probably too early. And, and, um, and, and well, I think if you're working by yourself, that's, that's fine. Or that's a tiny team. And then the larger the team gets, and we've seen this in the dribble team itself, like the prototyping becomes super important. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, to be able to, to talk about, these problems that are we're solving and yeah so that makes sense i just thought as a as someone who codes websites too or, or used to or whatever i'm always like thinking about that like what about the code you know so someone has to code it at the end and, and maybe you're right maybe the tool because it doesn't need to worry about the, the code then then you can do some 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 cool stuff to make it a lot easier to visualize it and then have someone you know yeah. have to code it later Maybe that's this is good news for uh, front end developers, right? <laughs> Job security. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think there's a there. This is a black and white issue. I think there's be some cases where you really do yeah. want a tool that can produce code, and I think that's that's 100 percent valid. And I also think there's there's going to be cases where you don't want that, so that the yeah the inspiration part is unfettered, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I think you're totally right. Um, it isn't black and white, I, yeah, but, but you're right also that, that tools up to this point, WYSIWYG tools that spit out code have really thus far have, have been kind of, um, disappointing, right. In terms of the code that they, that they, that they do produce. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, an illustrious history. <laughs> yeah. But th- so, so this is, so this is great. I mean, uh, XD looks amazing, super, super useful. We, we got to check it out internally, but 
you know, in terms of uh, what what's next for for that team and for that for that product, I guess. Well, like I said, we're going to be on pace to do monthly releases. So you'll see a lot more features in 2018. Um, you'll see us yeah. push the tool to into new territory. So there are a few like really kind of novel things inside XD 1.0, like repeat grid and integration with libraries and so forth. I think you're going to see in 2018 even more sort of paradigm shifting um, in terms of how people tackle design problems. And that's really what excites me the most is actually it's an opportunity to rethink the way we've done things and make make them faster, you know, reduce friction, make them really, really um, give give you a design tool that complements your ideas rather than you know, forces you into a specific process. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and you know, you you actually um, this is last year or maybe a couple of years ago invited me to a, a mobile uh, it was like an adobe mobile summit yeah uh, where we got to try out a bunch of mobile and it was really it was really eye-opening because there's a lot of adobe mobile apps and many of them i i didn't even know about because even though i'm a creative cloud subscriber and and um how does this fit in with the mobile world obviously you guys are embracing everything but how does xd fit into that so XT is the first of a new generation of creative apps from Adobe that are on the Creative Cloud platform. And it's being imagined from the ground up as a cross-surface, cross-platform kind of system. Mm. So if you think about the previous generation of creative tools, you, you know, you well in the beginning you would download or you would you know, buy them on disk and install them. And it was a piece of software that resided locally. Now we're building software that is a combination of um, like a local application and um, and the service and a, a complete system. So XD is going to um, work both on Mac and Windows and also You'll see our companion apps for iOS and Android, which we have right now. They're going to get more and more robust. The idea is that we want to give you access to your work from anywhere, and um, mm. any device that you're working with is the right device to get what you need done done. So you're going to see XD really blossom into a system, and you'll see the same with this whole new generation of apps that we've been um, working on at, at Adobe over the past couple of years. And of course, you know, mobile devices far outnumber desktops. And so, yeah, yeah. The stuff that we do, you know, we always think of, of mobile. We always build it intimately into the roadmap. Yeah, which is super smart. So, this is, this is great. So, uh, jumping to a different topic, you know, but, but still Adobe related, really, you know, Adobe did this, uh, this study that's, that that's pretty great. It creativity's diversity disconnect, right? Yeah, and it's sort of like revealing the uh, barriers that that women and people of color have in in the creative field. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder if you could talk to us about that a little bit, because you know I was digging into the presentation a bit, and it a I think it's great that Adobe's doing that, and they're you know publishing the results from that and everything. But um, I wonder if you could give us the yeah the inside scoop. Absolutely. So this is actually one of the things that I've been working on as part of my 
sort of hard-to-define job. And, and it's also one of the things that I meant when I said only Adobe can can do something like this. Right. We at Adobe, we really take seriously the idea that, you know, tools really are integral to the culture of uh, the, the teams that work on them. And if we have a, an attitude in making our tools that embraces diversity and inclusion, that's going to help these teams as well. So, you know, we wanted to suffuse everything we do with this, you know, really like open-eyed, um, sort of like clear-headed understanding of what it means to be a designer, what it means to be a creative person in the 21st century. So the first step was to say, hey, let's really take a look at what's happening with diversity and inclusion in creative professional fields today, because we've heard a lot about these issues, um, but they've almost always been um, seen through the lens of tech, of of the big companies that out there that dominate our conversation. You know, the mm. the Googles, the Facebooks, right, right. the Twitters of the world, and that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, and, and we we all need to keep pushing on tech to be more and more diverse. Um, mm. But we've really felt like looking at creativity, looking at the design field, was really worthwhile. Um, trying to understand how that's similar or different from the trends we, we see in tech because the t- creativity design is often lumped under tech. And I don't think that's exactly correct. So we, right. we surveyed yeah, several hundred professional creatives and we did sit down interviews with a, a number of, of key folks to really get an understanding of, of what's happening out there. And it was, it's somewhat surprising to see how resounding the, the the data was that came back, how resounding it was in terms of, of articulating how people of color particularly feel disadvantaged um, in the creative industry. Because, you, you know, you think about the teams that you work on and, uh, in the design industry and by and large, they're full of people who get along really well and... and are are friendly and try to give other people a leg up and you know it's it's not they're generally not toxic atmospheres in terms of diversity of inclusion but at the same mm-hmm. time it really shows that you know there, there's a lot of work to be done yet so this report which actually just came out last week we announced it at um, the three percent conference which is a conference for women and minorities um, focus on primarily the advertising industry but um yeah just came out last week we um, this is our first step towards a bigger campaign at trying to positively impact diversity and inclusion numbers in, in creative fields. And, and so we wanted to say, hey, let's try and understand what the numbers look like, try to define the problem, and then you'll see us in, um, in 2018 start to roll out some initiatives that, that act on this data and act on some other um, some other programs that we have going on to to really try and make a difference in this issue. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's super awesome. Yeah, and commendable, really. I mean, uh, and what's what's cool, like, like you said, you know, Adobe is in a unique position to be able to, to do this with real, you know, sizable amount of data, right? I mean, um, that's right. And um, 
what's great too is that, you, that, that some of the data, I haven't read the whole thing yet, but like some of the data is really, really, really uh, positive. Like it's like, you know, 90% agree a diverse, a more diverse workforce is, is only effective if everyone feels included. Right? right. So obviously there's like, there's like things in here that, you know, you're not just saying we should all be more inclusive. It's like, here's some real data on yeah. um, what it, what that means and, and how it affects everybody. Yeah. You know? It's great. Yeah. That particularly was really interesting. It's, it's the vast majority of people who responded to the survey and, you know, by extension, you could say the vast majority of the industry, they all want to be more diverse and, and more inclusive. Uh, and it just shows that on the one hand, it's a really sort of fertile ground to do something really positive. But on the other hand, it also shows that, that just wanting it or just just having the right sentiment isn't enough. You really have to actually do something yeah. about it. And, and there's hard work involved. And that's some of what we've been working on all year. Um, and we hope to roll out um, next year is, is efforts to, to, to really try to, to do that hard work and make a difference. Uh, that's awesome. Well, we're definitely uh, going to be watching for that, and I'll, uh, you know, all this stuff will be in the show notes too to to link and check out. Great. It's really, it's really great. It's really important. Um, so one thing I do want to make sure we cover now that you know that I have you on the horn here is uh, Helvetica, <laughs> <laughs> the hot new typeface. Because I, I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah, I've been a big fan for a long time. Uh, and I know you, you've been a big fan yes. for a long time. Yes. Um, and you know, for a long time, like, you know, your like subtraction.com has been, yeah. sort of, uh, you know, that, that aesthetic has, uh, I don't know, you're, you're pioneering in that way in terms of uh, <laughs> web design blogs and stuff. Yeah. Is, is it okay to like Helvetica? I mean, it, yeah, of course it is. It's, <laughs> it's the it's the best typeface ever <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm only half joking about that or, e- or even less than half joking yeah. i think it's just time and again proven how versatile it is how effective it is um how pliable it is how you know how beautiful it is over and over again it, it doesn't it doesn't really age so I think it's totally fine to hate Hel- to, to like Helvetica. I was just going to say, I also think it's totally fine to hate Helvetica. <laughs> I think ultimately these are yeah. these are just typefaces. So I think right. you know, that's a great way to put it. These yeah. are just, these are these are just typefaces. They're not. Yeah. They're not political views or <laughs> right <laughs> religious reviews or. I agree though. I mean, it's funny. I love spotting it, you know, and and logos and things and and. Um, there, there's a you know one criticism it's just too easy to just grab Helvetica and and, and type it out but yeah. I think it is it is really made well made and uh, and I think t- typefaces that la- you know can stand that last that long uh, stand the test of time there's obviously something there they hit on something when they when they first designed it yeah yeah re- they really did and and, and similarly Futura uh, <laughs> <laughs> which you know going back to the beginning here from your blog there's a new book uh never use futura yeah same thing that and that that's like an older even older typeface that uh it, it, it's and that one is another one that people would say oh it's just used everywhere and, and ah. now i sound like a cranky old man Listen, <laughs> yeah I, I think futura is a really beautiful typeface that i think is always 
in spite of the fact that it came before Helvetica, I think it's unfortunately doomed to always play second fiddle because I think the average person won't be able to tell the difference between them. The sort of like uninitiated design consumer. Well, that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. It's, that's true. Right. Yeah. Right. It's more just like it evokes like an emotion or feeling that, that they might take, but otherwise they, they, they probably yeah. wouldn't notice. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a great, great, great point. Uh, yeah. So tell us about uh, how you got, how you got started in design mm-hmm. and then how you started subtraction.com and, and, and just like your, your career path, basically. I'm, I'm really curious sure. cause it's been, you've done so many different things and, and you've written books and, and it's always interesting to hear like how people got there. Right. And I think that's actually one of your, yeah. now that I I've said it, that's uh, one of your books is about <laughs> interviewing people, how, how they got to where they are. That's right. So now it's yeah, my turn to ask you. Com, folks. Oh wait, <laughs> say that again. How they got there got, com. Yes, excellent. Okay, good. Yeah. And that was not that was an unintended plug. I, I promised the audience, <laughs> but, but they should definitely read it. Uh, well, thanks, thanks for working it in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was one of those kids that has spent as much time in the art room as I could when I was in high school. Right, I really gravitated towards the arts, uh, and I didn't know what design was. Um, I had a fantastic art teacher who, um, who showed me some of it, but. She didn't really, she wasn't really able to impart to me what it meant to be a designer. So when I went to college, I studied painting, thinking I would be a fine artist or an illustrator. But when I got there, I realized, oh, all the problems that I'm interested in, those are really design problems. I really Mm -hmm. like to work with composition. I like to convey information in a really clear manner. I, I like to work with type. And so by the time I left school, I had decided to focus as much time as possible on design. And when I got out of school, I got a job at a little ad agency and doing, um, this is really unglamorous, doing ads and brochures for commercial real estate, basically trying to make office buildings look really interesting. Uh, But from there, you know, I got into doing stuff for the web and then i got into the agency world the studio world i worked at a a big interactive agency in the first dot com boom and then i went and i co-founded my own studio and worked there for a while Uh, and it was around this time too that i started my blog because i just like the idea of having as i said earlier having this place where i can create the content that I want to create and present it in the way that I want to present it. Yeah. I think if the internet wasn't around, I'd probably be publishing like a zine or something like that. Just (laughs) to have this idea of this, this sort of domain that you control and, and as a designer, you can, you can sort of, you know, tailor it just the way you want it to the way you've always envisioned like a publication should be or communication should be. That's what initially attracted me to the idea of having my own site and my own blog. Um, and this happened at around the time that blogging was starting to take off too. And then I was sort of really fortunate to find myself a member of this community of people who were doing the same thing. Like you, you did fantastic stuff as well, Dan, but you know, I, I read over sort of religiously and studied and like, you know, we all learn from each other and, um, and sort of pushed each other on to do mm. you know more and more interesting things. It was a really, yeah. um, really 
fun time. Um, and it helped me tremendously in my career because it helped raise my profile and also really helped me think about the work that I was doing and work out my ideas in public and participate in this huge dialogue that we were all a part of about what is design on the internet. What does that mean? Yeah. And how do we make it better and more interesting and how do we build careers in it? So yeah, blogging has always been uh, a key part of my career, has been a key part of my career for a long, long time. I feel really fortunate about it. And, and it's, I think it's really helped me have lots of different kinds of jobs during my career. Mm. Um, mm. It's really helped, you know, it helped me move from a big agency to doing my own studio to working at the New York Times to moving into having my own startup and then, you know, getting embedded into the startup community and you know, learning how to do a new kind of product development, product design, and then just led me right here to Adobe. Yeah, that's that's super great. I mean, I, I agree that it was a great time to, to be able to, everyone seemed to be sharing their knowledge, right? And, and pushing each other. Yeah. And for, for designer getting started now, and I'm like, as you're saying, telling this story, I'm in my head, I'm thinking, I'm not sure I know the answer to this either, but like how to, because blogs were integral to, to my career as well. And I, I just wouldn't be doing what I'm doing uh, without that time. But today, I mean, we were talking about medium and, and whatever, but how, how would a young designer, you know, sort of tap into that same community or, or uh, inspiration or knowledge sharing, you know? You know, I don't know. I mean, I think part of the answer is to be really active on Medium and Twitter and, you know, to a lesser extent Facebook, um, to be doing what you might have been doing on a blog, you know, 10 years ago or so um, on those social networks, on those social platforms. I definitely think that's part of it. But those platforms, it's, it's, I find, and I'm not sure other people would agree, but I find that it's, it's hard to form a sense of who a person is on those platforms because you're looking mm. at the same template over and over again. It's not just about the visual either. It's also about, you know, medium is like throwing new names at me every single day. And <laughs> it's kind of hard to distinguish between them, right? Because they're, I think the thing about medium that's and, and Facebook and to a lesser extent, Twitter, the thing that's different from blogs is like on medium, it's really a bunch of selling where it's like people talking about some new technique that they made. They're trying to sell you on this technique in order to um, win your attention or win attention for their company or mm. to help recruit for a position they've got. Right. Right. It's really all a kind of advertising. And I think there's so many different people doing it and it's all getting surfaced on designer news or side, the sidebar newsletter, both of which I think are, terrific um but it's just a little bit harder to build your own personal brand i think out there so yeah i um, think you're right i think uh it's a little it's a little less personal now right it's a little impersonal yeah um and 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 all the all the voices are kind of wearing the same outfit <laughs> yeah because they're, they're, yeah. they're whether they're in you know twitter or, or medium or whatever yeah yeah i think you're right so I think the challenge is to is to get your personality out there as well, and maybe maybe that's not a goal for some some people that are just trying to get attention on a product or whatever. But uh, I think for mm-hmm. for a young designer that's like trying to self brand themselves, for instance, um, then 
I think that is the challenge. Like, how do you stand out from, you know, the crowd? And that's probably more more yeah. di- more difficult now. Yeah, in when it was just weblogs, <laughs> web I even said the whole yeah. word. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was much easier to have your own identity because uh, you often you're creating it from scratch, and uh, however you created it is um, is part of who you are uh, rather than using a framework or, or whatever. Um, so it's it's interesting, like how it's going to evolve, you know. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting phase right now, and, and ultimately, it, it may prove much more to have greater longevity than blogs, just because the power of the network. You, know, you, you, yeah. you can't. It's hard to fight the power of the network, and we've seen over and over again that the networks have greater reach than you know individual yeah. Um, yeah. You know, instances of effort. So um, totally, you know, we'll see. People will probably may never remember blogs at all yeah wow forward. oh this is getting dark man. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like but but maybe you're right i mean i, I de- definitely um networks you're you're right in that networks have always survived e- even if a particular network dies another one comes up and kind of takes its place yeah. um and, yeah. and and you can't yeah you really can't compete with that that sort of power but but um gosh i hope I hope blogs aren't just a, a footnote in the in the web design space. You know? Me too. I, I I hope that you know we get some compromise where you have the power of the network, but you also have the opportunity to express yourself yeah. in a way that is more fully dimensional. And, and I don't I don't just mean being able to trick it out with like all your favorite fonts and stuff. I mean being able to to build like a sustained sort of narrative about your ideas and your thoughts. I mean, I think like that was one of the, the really powerful things about a blog is you had this, this sort of serial experience where yeah. you come back yeah. to a person's blog and you would see how they were evolving and then you would go into their archives and see, you know, all the, the stuff they'd done. I think that's really, really interesting stuff that mm. you don't do that. Like I, I can't remember the last time I, dug into a medium writer's history and yeah really, really try to get a sense of who they were from yeah. from what they were what they were writing and posting it's a great point it's almost like you know it doesn't matter who wrote it i mean it does but it doesn't matter who wrote it necessarily to to yeah at least it matters less right than it did. right than it did yeah well you're right it's an interesting phase we'll see what happens we're going to we're going to be watching it for sure or participating in yeah. it <laughs> and that's today's episode of two old guys yeah. from the web. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I, <laughs> I've had a uh, tendency to, <laughs> to dip into to old guy speak uh, yeah. about the old days, and and I I need to I need to be uh, cognizant of that because uh, yeah. it all it, it you know one of the great things about the web is it it's just never it's never done it's always evolving and I and I love that part yeah. of it too. I'm sure you do. So it'll, yeah. it'll it'll be fun to watch what happens. Um, so sure. so what's up next for for you? Like so, you know, obviously you're <laughs> sounds like you're super busy and you got your hands full uh, and all sorts of good stuff coming down the pipe from from Adobe yeah. in terms of XD. But yeah, what what's what's immediately next for for that? So more XD, like I've mentioned a few times, we're just continuing to build that out. So keep an eye on that. 
uh, more on diversity and inclusion. This has been one of my passion projects, and I feel really fortunate to be working in a place that that embraced it. And yeah. you know, there's lots of people there who are are really leaning into that and, and you know, going to try to to do something really meaningful there. Um, and also, the, one of the other things I've been working on is, you know, there's tons of great designers at Adobe doing really interesting stuff that is really, really um, impactful. It sort of determines how people, how designers spend their days. Even if you're not using Adobe products, it's it's influential in that way. And mm-hmm. um, you know, our team, the Adobe Design team, you know, we um, want to be more public about what we're doing and be more open about it. And I think we're going to try in 2018 to really um, you know, join the community, join the conversation more and more. And I'm, I'm going to be helping to do that. Awesome. Oh, that's great. Lots of good stuff. That's great to hear. Yeah. That, that's super great. Everybody's going to be excited about that. Totally great. Well, Coy, thanks. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for your time. Oh, super fun. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. It's super fun. And uh, you know, we'll be watching all that good stuff that you're working on and, and also your blog subtraction.com thanks for being here thanks man